Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. I'm going to tell you about Father's Day today, talk a little bit about Father's Day. Four things that every father should learn, and every father should learn these four things. And uh, should teach these four things, not only to your own uh, spouse, your own family, your children, but uh, these are four things that every father should learn, first of all. How many of you know that the father ought to be the spiritual leader in the household? Okay. And uh, how many of you know that it's a wonderful thing for men to teach their children about the Lord? Isn't that good? And so, uh, if you haven't started on that yet, uh, get the manual. <laughs> and so, here's four things that every father should learn. First of all, you got to learn these things. These are the most powerful things that you could possibly learn from the Scriptures. Number one, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, because this is, Jesus says, the very first commandment. And so, first of all, you have to put that and learn it. You have to put it into practice. Love the Lord with all your strength, your soul, your mind. And the second thing we need to learn is that we need to love our neighbor as ourself. Mm. There's no other commandment greater than these two. So learning to love your neighbor. Uh, Did anybody have a neighbor that you might have a little trouble with? Um, I don't know about that. I used to have one of those. (laughs) Uh, you know, he's, he used to bring his dog over into my yard every day, and then the dog learned to do it himself. So guess what? Uh, I love that neighbor. <laughs> love him so much, I gave him all his stuff back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I should have done that or not, but I felt bad about that. But love your neighbors yourself. And yeah, that's a very encouraging thing. The third thing that you need to learn and teach your children is this, that it's appointed unto men once to die... But after this, there's the judgment. And so if you don't teach your children these things, their lives can go in a direction where they're not ready for this. And then I believe that this next one is probably the most important statement that's ever been made in Scripture. This is probably, in my opinion, the very most important thing that you need to learn about and you need to teach your children. You need to make this a uh, lifetime study, and, uh, and it is this, that so Christ was offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation." And so we need to understand that Jesus is coming soon. We need to learn that. We need to teach that to our children. And the Bible says he's under those who are looking for him to return, will he return the second time? And I have to say this, that I want to thank my father for making this the very most important message of all come alive daily in our home. We lived it, we dreamed it, we thought about it, we discussed it, that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back very soon and it could happen at any time. Now, the first part of the second coming of Jesus, uh, he is going to take everyone out of this world who has given their life to Jesus. Every 
person, man, woman, boy, or girl, dead or alive, who has been born again, living their lives according to the Scriptures. Now, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the Bible says, they that do the will of the Father. And so those who are born again, living their lives according to the Scriptures, these are the ones that are looking for Him, those who are asking for and desiring His forgiveness and making Him the Lord of their life on a daily basis, these are the people that Jesus is going to come back for. And this event is known as our blessed hope. It's also known as the rapture, or the rapture of the church. It's going to take place. So fathers, I have to ask you this question. How many fathers do we have here today? Raise up your hand. All right, fathers, and especially I want to ask you these questions. Do you understand what the Bible has to say about the rapture, about the second coming of Jesus? Remember I said this is by far the most important message in the Word of God that you need to understand and know. Second question I have, are you personally living a life in such a spiritual way that if the rapture should take place today, that you are ready and you are ready for the the rapture to happen and that you're ready to go. My third question I would ask you, do you fully understand and are you ready for the great event to happen at any moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at any moment? And the fourth question is this. This is the biggie. Are you teaching this great biblical truth to your children in such a way that they fully understand the severity, the surety, and the sequence of the greatest event that will ever take place in the past, present, future of the world, ushering in the end times, the end of this world. And question number five, are you teaching your children that this event will affect every person who has ever lived on planet Earth will be affected by this event? Now, my Father's Day message is simply entitled, The Rapture. The second coming of Christ. Jesus is coming soon. Concerning the rapture, Jesus made this statement. It's not something that, you, that should scare you. It's not something that you should be afraid of. It should be a wonderful time. <laughs> and uh, it says, so let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God and believe also in me and in my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. That's the rapture that's getting ready to take place. My father's name is Gust Block. It's not G-U-S. It's not Gus, not Gusty. It's Gust, G-U-S-T, like a gust of wind. Uh, he was a windy one. My father taught all of his children about the rapture of the church. He lived his life measuring up to everything that the Bible had to say about personally being ready for this great event to happen. In fact, when I was growing up as a child, there was a lot of things my friends used to go do. There are things, places they would go and things. But my father felt that some of these things that were happening in the world today, and I still agree with him on these things, that uh, they are not pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And he would always teach us that we need to live like this. We need to be 
ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And believe me, it scared the bejesus out of me. And believe me, I was always living my life like this and made a few mistakes, I might say. But uh, mm, guess what? Dad knew it, and I got found out. And guess what? Don't do those things anymore. He lived his life as a youth. He signed a covenant that said he would not do these things and he would do these things. Have you taught your children to make a list of things that they are not willing to be involved in? Have you ever done that? Have you ever, you know, I remember when some of the uh, uh, temptations and some of the things that came to me as a, as a, as a youth and uh, my dad had signed a covenant, and he taught me these are the things that you don't do. Like, for example, doing drugs is one. Well, there's a lot of uh, adult parents, fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever that abuse the uh, prescription drugs. And so it's kind of hard to tell a kid don't use drugs when whenever something happens to you, you want to curl up in a ball for three days and get away from everything. You understand what I'm saying? But you see, when I was eight years old, my daddy, we lived in Dayton, Ohio, and my dad took me into Dayton, Ohio to see a movie about drugs. And I'm telling you what, I saw this movie about drugs and how it would affect your mind, and it was a spiritual movie, it was a uh, physical movie, and it was a scientific movie, and all the, when I went into school, and when the drugs was starting to be an issue, I'm telling you what, I had made my decision, I don't want to, you know, if that spacing out is what drug is all about, I don't want to go there. I like to be con- in control of my senses. Hello? I like to know where I'm at. I like to know who's around me. I like to know what's happening. And uh, drugs will take you into a, a, a place where all of that is just kind of uh, in, in a distance. But my dad taught me how to live my life studying and measuring up to the standards that are recorded in the Word of God, always being ready for the rapture of the church. I want... I'm going to be talking in the next uh, a bit of time here about the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going to be talking about the great tribulation. I'm going to talk about the great white judgment throne and all of these things that are happening. But today I'm talking about the number one most important things, fathers, that you should live your life like this and you should teach your wife and you should teach your children what the Bible has to say about the rapture of the church. And so that's why I'm talking about it today. He and my mother got married. My father decided his life was going to end a lifelong calling of being a pastor, working in churches, spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, preaching the message that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptized, and Jesus is the soon coming king, the four square gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he also taught this, not only is Jesus coming back, but Jesus is coming back soon. Would you say he's coming back soon? It's an everyday subject. Fathers, make this an everyday subject. This should be the number one thing in your household, trust me. should be more important than anything else you have on your agenda. Education, health, uh, 
sports, uh, television, uh, thumb punching, all this stuff. This is more important than any one of those questions that you might have to deal with. What friends are they going to run with? You need to be sure that you understand the rapture and that you teach it to your children because you want to know why? You're responsible to do that. The Bible says you're to raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. You see, this is your responsibility that God has placed on your head. Ain't it great to be the father? Ain't it great to have, oh, this is my son, oh, this is my daughter, and we'll just let mama raise him. Hello. You don't know about that. I'm telling you something. There's nothing greater than a man of God that stands up and teaches his children how to follow holy after the Lord Jesus Christ. My father spent his life following and teaching all of his family members to follow all of the commandments of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 25. You might want to take that on and, and live these. These are the commandments, the statutes of the Lord, which he, the Lord commanded to teach you that you might do them. And this is the first thing that it says that my father taught me. And fathers, you need to teach your children that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. See, we need to learn how to reverence the Lord. We need to learn how to bow our heads in prayer. I don't ever remember eating a pancake around my father who loved pancakes where he did not bow his head either in public, at home, or wherever it was. He taught me how to reverence the Lord. He taught me how to bow my head and pray over my meal. He taught me how to say the prayers to the Lord when I laid my head down on the pillow. Hello. He taught me that when there were sick and afflicted among our family, we would lay hands on each other and we would pray for them and the fever would be gone and the sickness would be gone. When there was fear, we would lay hands on, he would lay hands on us and he would teach us how to reverence the Lord. It's the first thing thou might is fear the Lord thy God, reverence him, especially to reverence him in the fact that Psalms 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that fear the Lord and do his commandments. And so this came natural when you learn to fear the Lord. And in view of the fact that the Bible says in Malachi chapter 4, unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. I have no question in my family, my kids, my grandchildren, we have no question about the fact that when sickness comes, when problems comes, when the need arises, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Why? Because I have taught my children. I learned from my father that they need to learn to reverence the Lord 24-7, do everything in the sight of the Lord, looking for his coming. Are you with me this morning? Will somebody at least say, say amen? Thank you. I thought all of my ameners had gone to Los Angeles or something's crazy. I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're responding. Don't you just like to be made felt guilty? That good. Unto them that fear my name. And so one of the things, fathers, that you need to teach your children is to fear the name of the Lord. 
Pray over them when they depart, go to school. Pray over them when they go looking for their first job. Pray over them when they think about the mate that they're going to marry. Pray over them when they think about the youth that they're going to run around with. Pray over them. You see, when you pray over them, when they get there, they'll do like my kids did. Well, I shouldn't be here because somehow my dad's going to find out I think I'm going to get out of here. Hello. Pray over them. Let them know the fear of the Lord. <laughs> Not the fear of the Father necessarily, fear of the Lord. And then there's the other side of the fear of the Lord. Wow, this is a big one. And that is to thoroughly understand or be frightened or dread the fact that judgment is coming on the earth in the final days. I'm going to be talking to you in the near future about the great tribulation and some of the great things that are going to be awful, dreadful things that are going to be happening on this earth. You know, it's interesting how many times people can get messed up with the fact that they think that everything in the world today is so bad it couldn't get any worse. But I got news for you. That's not the case at all. We live in a pretty good world. We live in a pretty good life. We have a pretty good USA. We have a pretty good uh, America. Hello. And uh, some people might tell you differently than this, but uh, I, I believe we live in a great nation and a great country, and I love that. But I'm going to tell you something. We need to fear and dread the fact what's coming on the face of this earth. I don't know about you, but you see, as soon as the rapture takes place, there's going to be a couple of things. I'm going to be preaching about them in a, a little bit later on down the road. The moment the rapture takes place, the great tribulation is going to start right here on planet Earth. Tribulation like you've never seen before. Wars, rumors, things that like you've never seen on this planet Earth. It's the moment the rapture takes place, we're going to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb where we're going to receive the blessings of the Lord for being fathers who taught their children about God. We'll see our children who were, were caught up in the rapture of the church with us, and we're praising God for that. The Bible says we're going to be marcoius, we're going to be blessed, we're going to be so happy when we pinch ourselves, and when we get to heaven and say, wow, here we are, there's Jesus, isn't this awesome? It's a wonderful thing. But we need to understand that the moment the rapture of the church takes place, ignites the great tribulation like has never been seen on this planet before, and it's going to start right here upon the earth. And we need to fear the fact that the judgment is coming on the earth in the final day. I don't know about you, but when I study about hell, when I think about the lake of fire that burns forever and ever, when I think about a fire that cannot be quenched, when I think about this individual, this Larry Block, this man that God created, who if he did not give his life and serve the Lord Jesus Christ, will spend the rest of his world uh, for thousands and thousands and unending years in absolute torment in the very fiery pit of hell. I want you to know something. We need to learn to frighten dread a judgmental God that could come upon us. I don't want my children to go through that. I don't want my church to go through that. I don't want my fa I don't want to go through that. We need to learn to fear the Lord. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 says it this way. <clears throat> I saw a great white throne and the one enthroned. I saw God. And nothing could stand before or against the presence, nothing in heaven or nothing on earth. And then he's talking about the judgment seat of God. I saw all the dead, great and small, standing there before God. All the books were opened. Then another book was opened, the book of life. 
the dead were judged by what was written in the books by the way that they had lived. Sea released its dead. Death and hell and the grave turned in their dead. Each man and each woman was judged by the way he or she had lived their life on earth. Then death and hell were hurled into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found inscribed in the book of life was hurled into the lake of fire. And I say, yes, Daddy Gus Block, and yes, Mother Vernita Block, yes, 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 thank you for teaching me the importance of fearing and reverencing the name of the Lord and getting me ready for the greatest event that's going to ever happen on earth, the rapture of the church. Would you stand with me and give the Lord a big hand for that? Give somebody a high five and say, I'm going to start teaching this subject. Tim, I'm going to start living like Jesus is coming back soon. I'm going to let my kids know. I'm going to let my relatives know. I'm going to be evangelistic. I'm going to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because I believe that Jesus is coming soon. So give somebody another high five and say, I really mean that. Then you can be seated. Fathers, we need to spend our life following and teaching our family members to follow all the commands of God. My father obeyed the scriptures that said, Gust Block, I have obeyed the scriptures and I'm busy about obeying the scriptures that says, Larry Block. My son David is following the scriptures that says, David Block. My son Rodney is preaching in his pulpit right now up in Jefferson, Iowa, to one of our, none other than little Miss Kayla Block. He's preaching to her this morning, and my son Rodney is, has followed the, the decision where the Lord says, Rodney Block, Allison Whedon, hello, Ryan Whedon, teach your son. Turn to somebody and say, teach your son. Say, I don't have one. Uh, teach somebody else's son. Teach your son. And teach your son's sons. I love my grandchildren. I've only got 17 plus one. Now, that means one of them's married. So that's 18. I got a, I got a, a, a grandkid-in-law. Isn't that great? And somebody told me very cautiously, they said, great-grandkids are on the way. Yeah. My son's son. It says, Gus Block, all the days of your life, teach them the commands of the Lord. And then it says, and your days will be prolonged. And your days will be prolonged. I just soon have a long liver. I, I just soon see my grandkids and my great grandkids and enjoy their life. Hello. I, I'd like to have that. And so, therefore, I'm teaching my sons, my daughters, my sons' sons, their family, all the days of my life. 
Every moment, every waking day, I am busy about teaching them how to follow wholly after the Lord. Actions speak much louder than words, but they both speak well. My father taught me to love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength, and with all my might. Sometimes it wears me out, but I do that. He taught the scriptures diligently. He talked about them when we sat down in the house. We used to have Bible study in our house, you know? And when we walked by the way, when we'd go fishing, when, when we'd drive down the highway, said, see that beautiful clouds up there, son? God made that. One of these days, I'm going higher someday. I'm going up above those clouds, riding down the highway, talking about the rapture of the church. He loved teaching us the word. When we lie down, Daddy, tell me a, a, a story. Well, he would tell me the stories of the word of God. When you lie down, when you rise up. And here's one. The Bible talks, and he says, Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand. Did you know there are hand signals that you can give from your car from one to another? There are hand signals that you can give. I've got one particular hand signal. You don't know this, but there's one person in this building knows what it is. It goes like this. Are you ready? That's a hand signal. Every time my daughter walked out onto a sporting event, every time she walked out to do a soccer, I mean a, a volleyball event, play basketball, whatever it is, got in a car with a boyfriend, I would go. I love you so many times over, you can't believe it. She pats me on the top of the head, and she said, Dad, you got a little knot on your head. What is this? What's this little bump on your head? I said, Allison, it's because Allison gave you, uh, God gave you to me, Allison, and you are so much to love, and you're so wonderful. I needed a special place to hold extra love. And so, therefore, honey, I want you to know something. I really love you. See? Did you know there's hand signals that you can give? There's one. There's one. There was a hand signal. What hand signals are you shooting out the window? Oh, here's another one that my daddy taught me. Verse number 8 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. These signs shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Did you know your facial expressions tell a whole lot of story? You know, your hind end will tell a lot of story, too, when you're walking away in anger. But I'm telling you something. My daddy taught me that what's on your face is important. It's what God expects you to go around with his blessing, his love, his joy. His, he, he has told us, I don't want you to look like a Missouri mule eating an oats out of a stovepipe. Do you ever notice that there are some kids that as soon as they don't get their way, they, they start looking like a mule? My dad taught me, you're not doing that in my house. I taught my kids this, you're not doing that in my house. This will get you nowhere if you're a block or a weedin. Hello. Because that, that wrinkled brow 
that comes up when you get ticked. That wrinkled brow when somebody tells you no when all your friends are telling you, you tell your parents to go to wherever they shouldn't be going. You know, my parents let me, let me. No, guess what? Guess what, child? You better get that wrinkle off of your forehead, and you better get that lip back in, and you better get that butt under control because I'm telling you something. This is going this is, this is to last you a long, long time. Why? Because I want you to put the blessings of the Lord, the peace of God that passeth all understanding, the joy of the Lord that's in your heart, that, that in your uttermost beings will flow rivers of living water. I want that to be seen on your face. As frontlets between your eyes. I'm the father of a bunch of guys that are great sports people. They're very good at what they do. They're great musicians. They're great singers. They're great. Somebody said, boy, it's wonderful how that just happened to happen. Well, it didn't just happen to happen. We worked at it. Hello. If you're going to be good at basketball, you got to practice shooting. So that's what we do, right? And so, I was taught my, my children, one in particular said, you don't realize, I said, I've always said to him, you know what your greatest offensive weapon is on the basketball court? Oh, yeah. I wish Larissa was here. There's one person on planet Earth that I love to watch play basketball. It's Larissa, one of our ladies. I just, Allison played basketball with her. Larissa is not here this morning. And she may be listening to this podcast down the line, but if there's anybody I liked to watch play basketball, it was Larissa. And I told my son, the greatest weapon that you have offensively and defensively against your opponent when you hit the basketball court is the joy of the Lord between your eyes on your frontlets. Nobody can resist the smile on that kid's face, I'm telling you. And I told him over and over again, if I've told him once, I've told him a thousand times, you know, don't act like cousins, not cousins as you know them, but cousins, the basketball player that plays for the uh, Golden State Warriors. Don't act like cousins every time somebody calls a foul on you. You know, put the joy of the Lord as frontlets. The first thing people are going to see when they come in your presence is the joy of the Lord, the peace that passeth all understandings. Hello, on and on and on. I got to get moving here. My daddy taught me that. I taught my children that. Don't slam that door because if you do, tomorrow you will not have a door. Oh, man, I love to preach to you guys. Thou shalt write them on the posts of your house. <laughs> and on thy gates. Fathers, what do you allow to be written on the posts and the gates of your house? All I have to do to answer that question 
is observe your cable bill. It's all I got to look at. And it will tell me what's written over your house. That's all I got to do is find out what channels you are willing to let Satan bring into your house will tell me what is written on your doorposts and what people, what you're teaching your children and what you're allowing your children. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. The bad stuff don't come on till 11 o'clock. Yes, I understand that. What you don't understand is your kids take a nap till 11. Just for fun. What are you allowing to come into your house? What kids do you allow your kids who you're training to love the Lord with all their heart and soul and mind and strength? What fellowship of darkness do you allow your children because they put peer pressure on you that everybody's doing it and if you don't let me go, it's the end of the world. Who are you letting your children run with that you know absolutely well that it's a mistake? You need to teach these things to your children. Amen by myself. <laughs> Somebody once said, you shall not go after other gods. I could go there. Gods of the people are all around you. Other gods come in the form of a vehicle, a boat. They come in the form of a lawn. They come in the form of a great, big, beautiful house. They, they come in the form of uh, you name it. I don't know about you, but there's no other God that I want to teach. There's nothing in my life that's going to come ahead of the one and only true living Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is no other. Anything you put first becomes your God. Anything that you prioritize over the other thing becomes your God. What do you prioritize? Or what of those priorities are you willing to be involved in rather than following after the Lord has become a God. My dad taught me, don't get any other gods. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, there's a good one. How do you tempt the Lord your God? Well, here's how you do it. You want to know? Do we have time to, to find out how to tempt the Lord your God? Okay, Lord, well, I, okay, I fell off the wagon. I sinned. I did this. I just made a big mistake, and I'm so sorry. That's on Monday. Forgive me of my sins. Be merciful to God. Don't kill me. Make me ready for the rapture. That's on Monday night. Tuesday night. Oh, God, I did it again. <laughs> I could meddle with that one. Don't tempt the Lord your God. 
Don't put so much confidence in idle words of asking forgiveness and crawling under the blanket of grace when you really don't mean business with what you're saying with God. Because to repent is to turn from and go another direction and stop doing that which is not pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Men, fathers, I pray to God that you'll live that kind of life in front of your kids. That you'll go home from this place today and say, I'm going to make some changes. And watch them go nuts for a season. Put God first. And so in verse 20, when the son asked thee in time to come, saying, I better find out what time it is. Oh, Jesus. What means this, Dad? Why all these statutes? Why do I have to go to church? Why can't I do that? Everybody's doing it. Why? Then you shall say to your children, well, we got saved. That's why. The Lord has shown us signs and wonders, and he hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. He has brought us out of bondage. Into glorious light, son. That's why we do it this way. He has set our feet on the solid rock, not the slippery sand, but the solid rock, Christ Jesus, and he is establishing our goings. He is the Lord of this house. Huh. And when you tell them he has ordered our steps, you can then also add, and he has gone away to prepare a place for us, and he will come again and take us unto him that where he is, there we may be also. And one of these days, in a moment in a twinkling of an eye when we least expect it, son, Jesus is coming back in the clouds. And he will take us up in the air to live with him forever. And children, I'm here to tell you that is called the rapture of the church. Now, my father loved to study the Bible and read about heaven. He especially loved the subject of the new Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21 John the Revelator told us about the new Jerusalem. He said, I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adored for her husband. My dad loved that part of the Bible. Many times I would see my father sitting in his office or at the kitchen table, or just about anywhere with a piece of paper and a pencil, and he was drawing. And I would say, Daddy, what are you drawing? And over and over again, he would be working on the drawings of the new Jerusalem. 
and his eyes would light up. He was ready to talk about his favorite subject, the rapture, heaven, the new Jerusalem, and then he would show me his drawings. I loved them. Recently, I read about a man by the name of Dr. Henry Morris. He had a Ph.D. degree, and he was well-versed in science, and he wrote, and I quote, The new Jerusalem will be large enough to accommodate at least 20 billion people with a home about the size of one-third of a mile cubed. And that's not even taken into account the new heaven and the new earth. Dads, we should be studying about that. So what is the rapture? When will it take place? That's the question. And Jesus said, well, those same questions that you're asking today, the fathers, when I was on planet Earth, asked me those same questions. When will it happen? And Jesus said, I told them, well, watch, because you know not neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. And Jesus went on to say, and I also told them, but of that day and of that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And Paul reiterated it in 1 Corinthians, and he said it will happen quickly. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. And then any time the rapture of the church was brought up in the Scripture, it was accompanied with an encouraging word that says, be ready. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And even though nobody but the Heavenly Father knows when the rapture will take place, many of the details of the rapture are spelled out in the Bible. First Thessalonians 4, 16, I call this the goosebump chapter. The rapture, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. With a shout voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God of the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds and the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, he says, comfort one another with these words. Fathers, I hope today to inspire you to learn, live, love, and teach those around about you the number one most important message in the Bible. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Fathers, this is Father's Day. How many of you have already been invited out to dinner? Ah, dinner. Fathers, would you stand? I want to pray over you. Because I'm telling you, this is probably, in my opinion, the greatest church on planet Earth.
I love these young people. I love the older people. It makes me proud to, to say the young men of this church, many of them are not fathers yet, but trust me, they dream about it. Hello. Serving God with all their heart and soul and strength. I watch your kids week after week, day after day coming into this building and serving God. Day after day, week after week, your kids are sending in their tithes to the church. It's either online or somewhere. comes across my desk every single day. I see the names of your children. It tells me, fathers, you're doing an awesome job teaching your family about God. And you're doing an awesome job following the Lord yourself. I watch when the work days come up. I watch every day. I watch people come in here and do things wonderfully for this church. I watch Second Mile Ministry. I watch City Love. I watch the cleaning and people come in here, and I think, you know what? You people are doing a marvelous job teaching your family and living the life of a true child of God ready for the rapture of the church. I want you to, if you can, put your hand right on the middle of your back and give yourself a pat. Would you do it? Now, those of you who are really not part of that, start down here and give yourself another pat. But anyhow, just kidding. I love you. Brandon loves you. Nancy Joe, they're in L.A. Many of our workers are in L.A. I don't know how we made it this whole week without them, but we did. <sighs> they're praying for you, and I want to pray for you. And you want to know something? You want to know who the big guy is praying for you? Jesus. He says at the right hand of the Father, fellas ever making intercession for you. He knows your heartaches. He knows your troubles. He knows your life. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your, your blessings. He knows your children. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for you, just like we're praying today. Bow your heads in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just anoint these men with your blessing. I anoint every one of these men, the men that couldn't be here today of our assembly. I anoint every one of these wonderful men of God with anointing of blessing. I anoint them with the Word of God. I anoint them with the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God to stand firm in the power of God, the power of His might, teaching, living, and loving you, Lord Jesus. We're ready for your coming. And now, Lord, today I just pray that you bless every one of them with finances. I pray that you'll bless them with good employment. Those that are looking for advancement employment, I pray for them. Those that are looking for changes in employment, I pray for them. Those that are looking for new employment, I pray for them. Those men here in this building, that fathers that have businesses, I pray over their businesses right now in the name of Jesus. Pour your blessings upon their customers, uh, upon their storehouses, Lord. I pray your blessings upon their health and upon their workers and upon everyone they come in contact with. Give them brand new contact. Lord, cause them to prosper in many, many ways. And now, Lord Jesus, I pray that they will be a shining example to their spouse, their family. If they're singles, uh, fathers here today, Father, I pray that you will just fill in the gaps of loneliness that they have in certain areas, Lord. And I pray your blessings upon them now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And everyone said and shouted, amen.